It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Soon. Talk Radio. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Bobby Friedman's still with me. We'll get his thoughts on my next interview in just a few moments. First up, though, let's talk to the Business Secretary, Alec Sharma. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Well, we're going to have to talk a little bit about uh, uh, a confusion over new rules and what we're going to hear today. But obviously, uh, there's obviously other aspects of government still going on other than the pandemic. Uh, and that, of course, is the announcement today of uh, greener homes, jobs and cheaper bills. That's what the government's promising us as part of the biggest upgrade of the nation's buildings in a generation. So how much money is being spent? What's it going on and how is it going to improve our lives? Uh, well, thank you uh, for that introduction, Julia. So we're talking about £3 billion, £2 billion of it, on a Green Homes grant uh, for individual households, uh, a billion going on uh, greening uh, public buildings, schools, uh, hospitals, uh, and, and the like. And um, what people are able to do in terms of households, and we actually think uh, around 600,000 households will be able to benefit from this, is to go on to the Green Homes uh, grant website, which is on our gov.uk page, uh, and uh, you can have a look and see what measures you want in terms of uh, improving the energy efficiency of your homes. Uh, the government will fund uh, up to uh, uh, two-thirds of, of uh, up to £10,000 uh, in terms of the measures. There are both primary measures and secondary measures. So the primary measures are uh, insulation in your, your uh, roof, insulation in your, your walls, uh, underfloor, uh, and then, of course, there's a range of secondary measures uh, as well. And as you said, the, the key point about this is that as a result of this policy, we're able to, to achieve three things. One is support tens of thousands of green jobs. Uh, secondly, making sure that uh, we are protecting the environment and getting emissions down. You know we've got our target of net zero by 2050 and this will help. And thirdly, this is really important for people, is that it'll help their back pocket. So we think that uh, if you put the measures in place, you could save up to £600 a year as a result of this energy efficiency. OK. Um, do you think that at a time when we are losing goodness knows how many jobs, possibly three million of the three million currently on furlough could be out on their ear, one in four bars, pubs, restaurants has been forced to close, many people really concerned that they're not well, so not going to see a light of a pay rise or anything, people going to be unable to pay their mortgages and pay their rents. Do you think most people right now really care about um, greening up their home? Uh, well, I, I think they, they, they do, actually. As I said, this is a grant that is being, uh, being given to you by the, the government. And in fact, if you're on low income, uh, you get up to £10,000. 100% of that comes from, from government. And ultimately, 
by putting these measures in, you do indeed save further money because of your bills going down. And as I said, we think up to £600 uh, could be saved a year, depending on what measures you put in. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, you talked about, about jobs, Julia. This is about supporting jobs, tens of thousands of jobs. So as uh, so supporting local jobs, people are plumbers, electricians, people who are uh, installers. I've had a, a discussion with the, the sector. They're really up for this. Uh, and in fact, the, uh, uh, the amount of interest that we've had in this from the public has also been strong. So I hope people will take advantage, get onto that website, get your voucher, get the work done as soon as possible. OK. I mean, do you think that people running, for instance, these pubs, uh, clubs and restaurants and bars, all of which are uh, either just having to shut up shop completely or, or losing you know, so much business that, uh, frankly, they're not going to last very longer, um, do you think they should get sort of help for things like, you know, paying their bills, uh, paying their staff, keeping themselves open, rather than uh, help for uh, uh, making them rather more environmentally sound. And is the government going to offer them any help, given that we've got that 10pm curfew in now? Yeah, so Julia, and you're right. Look, there are many uh, businesses that are, are facing a difficult time and challenging time right now. You talked about the hospitality sector. You will know that the furlough scheme continues to operate until the end of October. We then have the job support scheme. In terms of that particular sector, uh, we have made grants available to individual businesses. Uh, we've also ensured uh, that actually they don't have to pay any business rates for a year. Uh, there are other measures that they can take advantage of. So we are supporting uh, those sectors. I know it's difficult. I'm going to this point about the, the, the 10 p.m. curfew. It's part of a range of measures that we've introduced in the last few days. And it is all about bearing down on this infection. It's all about making sure that we're keeping people safe. And if we protect the health of our nation, we also ultimately uh, protect the health of our economy. Nobody, Julia, wants to go back to where we were in March, which is a national lockdown. Don't we? It seems the polling seems to show an awful lot of people have been scared so witless they do want to go back to a national lockdown. Now, you know as well as I do, I've got to ask you about Boris Johnson, his confusion over uh, the rules yesterday in terms of rules in England. Of course, we know a lot of those are very different from Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales. And we know rule of six and everything uh, and 10pm or 11pm closing of pubs and who you can meet up with, different households, etc, etc. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, the man who's brought in rules, he didn't know that the rules were different in Northern Eastern England, North East England. He didn't know what those different rules were. He's apologised since saying he was misspeaking. Um, if someone is fined for breaking the rules in this country, um, should they be able to be let off that fine on the basis they didn't understand the rules? Well, look, I mean, the, so, so firstly, in terms of uh, uh, local restrictions that are in place, there are 13, 000, 13 million people across England who are currently in varying levels of restrictions. Uh, and uh, obviously they are different, and that's based on infection rates, that's based on discussions with local uh, leaders as well in terms of what makes sense. And in that case, people should go onto that gov.uk website or indeed the website of their local authority and see in black and white for themselves precisely what the rules are that relate to them and how they can keep themselves and others uh, safe. Uh, and uh, as I said, in terms of the national position, uh, it's pretty clear rule of six, uh, indoors and outdoors. OK. Um, it is pretty clear, except uh, rule of six, indoors, outdoors, but of course different whether it's Scotland or in other parts of the constituent parts of the UK, whether or not children or babies uh, count at all. Um, there is an issue, though, over not people not knowing the rules, simply because the rules come into force without there being any publicity. Various rules came into force uh, earlier uh, this week uh, that had not been even announced, not even mentioned uh, by anyone in government. They just came into force, having been signed off a few hours earlier, including rules about landlords not paying loud 
music and not allowing people uh, to uh, dance in their in their establishments. Uh, the the uh, £4,000 fine if you recklessly uh, leave self-isolation or if you uh, uh, fine if you describe someone, you say someone else as, uh, should be self-isolating and they're not. Um, do you think that this is a way to make laws that could lead to huge fines for people and presumably imprisonment if they don't find a rule that will allow a COVID marshal with no training whatsoever from their local council to use, in quotes, reasonable force, unquote, to enforce those laws? Is this a way to make laws in a free and democratic country without any parliamentary oversight and anyone being told in advance that those rules are coming into force? Um, yes, I mean, look. The, yes, the your answer is yes. Ju- that is the ju- way to Julia, make laws. So, if I if I may, um, the, the the issue with this is that in terms of having to make those rules, uh, sometimes they have to be put in place very quickly because we want to get infection rates under control in particular areas. Now, it is absolutely the case that. Uh, those rules uh, uh, will elapse uh, if they are not enacted and voted on in, in Parliament within 28 days. So there is a level of scrutiny there. I completely accept it is effectively after the event. But it is also the case, and, and you see this uh, every day. I mean, you have uh, ministers like me coming on every day being quizzed, absolutely right and proper. You see almost every day a minister standing up at the dispatch box uh, talking about a particular policy uh, that we're introducing when it comes to coronavirus. But they didn't mention any of those policies I just mentioned. They didn't even mention those in advance. So, well, so if I if I may, so for people to be able to question them now, the issue is which some parliamentarians have raised is whether or not there is a way of uh, engagement uh, with uh, parliamentarians before uh, rules are brought in. I know that's something that is being looked at. Uh, we're discussing. I don't want to preempt anything uh, on, uh, on on your program. You'll appreciate uh, that. But that discussion is ongoing. We've also made sure that the scientific advisors are so important in all of this are also available for regular briefings with MPs. And you know, a lot of MPs have also asked, well, you know, what are the stats uh, in terms of my constituency? We're making that available as well. So we want to make sure that we are serving a parliament, we're serving MPs. But I know people will also understand that sometimes we have to act very fast and that's because we want to keep people safe. OK. Um, hospital admissions have gone down four consecutive days in a row. and They've gone down quicker than it would be likely that they could be affected by the rule of six and other rules that are brought in that you say have to be brought in quickly. Why then are we ramping up the restrictions on people's lives when we are not seeing the exponential growth that we were told we would be seeing? Uh, the graph that Chris Whitty and uh, Valance showed a week and a half ago, um, we are not coming anywhere close to the sort of growth uh, doubling every, uh, every day that, uh, that they were talking about. Um, There is no doubt at all we are not seeing the sort of growth we saw back in March. Why do we need those sorts of measures then? Well, so, I mean, that, that, of course, is good news. And the reason is because people are showing uh, a greater look common sense. You've also seen the infection rates uh, numbers that have, have gone up. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, we know a lot more about this virus now. Uh, they're not, growing, they're not uh, going up exponentially. Well, there are, there are, therapeutic, there are ther- therapeutic treatments as well which are available. Uh, so there is a whole range of things that we can do to assist people who uh, are uh, infected without having to have them hospitalised. But at the end of the day, this is all about making sure that, uh, you know, we can return to some level of normality. N- nobody wants, Julie, I can, I can absolutely guarantee you that nobody wants us 
in government to move back to what we had in March. That really would be very, very bad news for all of us. And that's why we uh, look to people's good judgment, look to their common sense. Please observe the rules, uh, follow them, uh, and uh, that is how we keep each other safe. Sorry, Alan Sharma, you're echoing what the Prime Minister said repeatedly. We need to look to people's common sense and their good judgment. But we're not being allowed to exercise common sense. So, for instance, I can only have uh, meet up with five other people. I can't meet up with six, even if it's even if it's outdoors. That would be exercising common sense. You're not allowing me or any of my listeners to exercise their own common sense about how to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. You're doing the exact opposite of that. Well, I think what we're setting is a framework for people to follow. And actually... No, 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 sir. It's not a framework. These are laws. Julia, the, the reason the reason that we are where we are now and the economy is largely open, we're seeing a little bit of a recovery, consumer confidence starting to return. The reason is because people did respond over the last few months to the rules and the guidelines that we put in place. Uh, businesses made uh, their businesses COVID secure. Uh, we saw the same in the hospitality sector. That's why, and that's what I'm talking about, that sort of common sense following the guidelines, following the rules. If people do that, we will get through this. We will come out the other side, uh, but we can only do that if people observe the rules. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.
on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Did you use the word smart? Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to so. Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Unedifying, I think, is the fair summary of that, isn't it? Well, let's talk to two guests about this. Scott Lucas, Professor of International Politics at University of Birmingham, and Greg Swenson, who's from Republicans Overseas. Uh, Scott, I'll give you first dibs on this. Um, uh, the debate, I mean, the whole thing was just unedifying uh, on every possible basis. But um, did Joe Biden do enough to uh, overcome that whole sort of sleepy Joe uh, tag that, Joe, uh, that Donald Trump has given him? I, I think he may have won it by disqualification, Julia, <laughs> if it's a boxing match. Uh, he definitely doesn't win by a knockout because I think Donald Trump was very much there to disrupt any flow that Biden could get. And I don't think he even wins it on points because, as you mentioned, quite a lot of the debate was just fractious and ugly. But I think he wins it for two reasons. I think the first is there were moments when he could speak to camera, not to Donald Trump. And I think the key moments are when he talked about health care, when he talked about coronavirus, and when he made this speech about the need for equality and decency and approaching social and racial issues, Donald Trump, who was setting out just to attack, 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 didn't have any of those moments. And I think instead, the headlines that Trump is getting today, and I know some of it's from the central left press, but it's about his supposed endorsement of white supremacist marches. Second reason why I think Biden wins by disqualification is because it doesn't move the needle very much. And right now, he's the candidate who's ahead in the polls including in the swing states that Donald Trump needs to win. Yeah. It was Trump that really needed to swing people last and, and he certainly came out fighting. There's no doubt at all. Um, uh, Greg Swenson from Republicans Overseas UK. Um, Donald Trump, I, I've, I've never seen him so sort of pumped up. I mean, he was he was his usual boorish and bullying self, very high energy, very, very much coming out fighting. But again, when the commentators criticise this and say, oh, it's all unpresidential and, 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 and awful, um, well, he, he did this last time round in 2016 and he won yeah that's true and, and remember you know vice president biden he's been around a long time he's he's a pro at, at being a politician he's had 38 debates in his uh his long political career and and did quite well you know people gave him a hard time for not doing well in the early primaries uh this time around but he did quite well against bernie he held his own against bernie sanders who's, who's a very good debater in the last um, Democratic debate. And remember 2012, he was a real bully with Paul Ryan. You know, Paul Ryan, recall, you know, ran, running for vice president is a real policy wonk. He's kind of a policy nerd in a way. And Biden just, you know, just sort of picked on him. And so I wasn't surprised to see um, Vice President Biden come out swinging. And they both made fools of themselves, in my opinion. And I thought, you know, it was, that was to be expected. I thought it was, you know, I wasn't surprised to see um, both guys take the gloves off. And, um, and, and as Scott and I were talking earlier, and I think, you know, we both can agree, um, not something we do often, but we can agree that there's not a lot of persuadables um, in this race. No, and, and that's the key thing, isn't it? Coming back to you, Scott, is that you know, there are people who hate and despise Donald Trump and there are people who hate and despise Joe Biden. Um, and, you know, you've got these two big you know, sets of voters. This is actually not what, you know, people who already know their views think because they're just going to view things as, you know, it, it's going to confirm all of their views and prejudices all the way along. This is about the swing voters and, and where they are. Um, 
do you think that Joe Biden did enough to to stave off, you know, this, this the concerns that he's early stage dementia, that he's that he's that he's too old for the job, that he's that he he's you know the fact that he was, for instance, the discussions about uh, Antifa that a lot of people are very concerned about, you know, protests on the streets after Black Lives Matter and the like. That actually, he, did he do enough to appeal to those you know middle income middle American voters who, in the end of the day, will decide the election? Well, I think, first of all, I think you can sweep away the disinformation. I mean, you can sweep away the disinformation that Joe Biden, veteran politician, is not mentally capable. You can sweep away the idea that Donald Trump isn't capable of standing on the stage because he took a cognitive test a couple months ago. Instead, when you talk about that 30 percent in between the camps that have made up their mind, what swings them? And I don't think it's mudslinging and insults. At the end of the day, it's going to be are they safer because of coronavirus still threatening America? Do they have better economic prospects after the American economy has taken a hit? Do they feel safer in terms of issues, for example, their social position, housing, education, and health care? And the problem with Trump is, to pick up Greg's point, in 2016, when you're in opposition, you can attack, attack, attack. You have that luxury. When you've been president for three and a half years, you've yep. got to give voters some sense okay. of security. Yeah, let's well, let's talk just finally um, to Greg Spencer about the, the tax issue. That was one of the big issues that, that was discussed yesterday. And uh, and and Donald Trump was sort of hit back at Joe Biden and saying, hey, you know, you don't have the tax code I use. You, you can uh, uh, you you can use the tax code. Uh, there, there is very much a mixed message from Donald Trump. And as often, lots, lots of things he says aren't true. But he says he paid millions of dollars in tax, but he won't release his tax records. And he also says he uses the tax codes to avoid tax. So it's a bit confusing. Um, but do you, how much do you think these tax revelations have damaged the president? Uh, very little. Um, look, I don't think he messages perfectly. You know, he didn't he didn't deliver that. <laughs> that's a euphemism. <laughs> no, that's an understatement. Right. But but really, it doesn't matter. First of all, he's just doing whatever he especially wealthy real estate developer Americans do is they use the tax code to their advantage. They take losses in some years. They offset gains in other years. That's completely kosher. The problem is Americans don't care about Donald Trump's taxes or how much money he made. They don't care about Joe Biden setting up a subchapter S corp to take advantage of a tax loophole. He and Jill made $13 million. Good for him from, you know, speaking tour, yeah. speaking tours and book engagements. They care about their own income and their own taxes. And that's and that's what's going to matter at the end of the day. We'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate you gentlemen joining us, Scott Lucas and Greg Spencer. Thank you very much indeed. 7.44 is the time. Just a quick word to Bobby Friedman on all of that. Uh, these are the men who actually stayed up and watched the full debate. Um, I mean, I've got it, you know, on tape to watch in full when I get back home. I'm sort of wondering whether it's worth bothering. It just sounds like it was horrific, doesn't it? <laughs> I think you better go back to bed instead, Julia. Uh, <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you have uh, these are members of Republicans abroad and Democrats abroad. They they have a stake in this, and neither of them really was very positive about either of their candidates. And it it just yeah. gives a sense, doesn't? It? Online on DAB and on the Talk Radio app, Talk Radio. Let's get the thoughts now on all of this and how it affects uh, those in school and those in university with Robert Halfon, Chair of the Education Select Committee and Conservative MP for Harlow. Good morning to you, Robert. Good morning. Hello. Um, if I uh, asked you a bunch of these quiz questions, how confident would you be of getting the answers right, Robert? Uh, well, I'm appalling at quizzes, uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, I never, ever do them, but so I probably do very badly. And I'd people mu- go on about uh, being 1984. Sometimes I think we're in a carry-on film. I'm just waiting for Sid James to turn up, sort of carry-on coronavirus, because it is such a, uh, almost like a British uh, uh, British farce. 
I think a lot of people are feeling that way. And because I like you, not not part of physical, because I like you, I'm not going to ask you the quiz questions because you've always been very good to us and you've always given us very straight answers. And I think that's one of the reasons why my listeners like us to have you on. But um, let, let's talk about where, you know, where we are uh, in terms of uh, student, university students, first of all, because that is a, a very big issue for an awful lot of people. We were reassured by the Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, yesterday that university students will be allowed home at Christmas. Um, again, I mean, if I had a, my daughter at university right now, I mean, you know, good luck standing between me and getting my daughter home for Christmas. I mean, I would pity pity the uh, the COVID marshals having to handle that one. Um, but, but they would have to self-isolate for two weeks first um is it tenable for university students to be at college mixing as they will do even if they don't get a proper freshers week or not and and stopping the spread of the virus well i definitely think we need an updated letter and statement from the chief medical officer and the chief science officer as to uh, the health issues and the risks uh in terms of students at universities i prefer that students go back to university just as i preferred pupils to go back to schools but the key thing to all this is if there is a proper testing regime and there isn't yet you've got some universities who can afford it who are paying uh, to test the students on a regular basis and others who are just going through the national system of course there we know there are problems with that and you might have less lockdowns in halls of residence if there was much more widespread testing and tracing at university. I mean, should we even be concerned about young people getting infected? I mean, should the argument really be, look, we know that people coming from all parts of the country who are young people are going to be, you know, getting, you know, goodness, I was snogging each other, hugging each other, dancing each other, whatever they're going to be doing, they're going to be passing it on to each other. In which case, we know that's going to happen. Shouldn't the aim have been to actually make sure that they just didn't come into contact with anyone who's likely to be in contact with vulnerable and elderly people? And so actually effectively sort of quarrel quarantining them on their campuses where possible or at least in you know the student bars rather than bars in the cities where they are uh, have campuses effectively uh, in major cities would that not have been a more realistic prospect than the idea of having a whole load of, uh, of students turning up and then having to self-isolate in the halls of residence yeah if that's possible um but obviously so lots of students live in houses in the towns and cities where the universities are and stopping students going to bars in the town uh, or to restaurants or shopping or whatever it may be is going, is incredibly difficult. You can't police a whole uh, university uh, campus. So we're talking about the thousands and thousands of students at different um, universities. I think this is why the testing regime has got to be uh, much better. Um, the health advice needs to be improved and the blended learning needs to be there. And it needs to be a plan be that students get proper blended learning i'd also like to see them get a discount if they're not getting proper learning face-to-face um, lectures with tutors or lecturers they should be getting some kind of discount on their university fees i think a lot of people would feel that way exactly those fees are nine grand plus you're often paying you know something like half that towards their uh, accommodation as well leaving universities 50 grand's worth of debts but not really getting much to show for it not even not even the fun let alone the face-to-face lessons let's talk about what's happening in schools then because you and i spent most of the summer discussing i think on a twice-weekly basis what was happening in schools uh, my daughter along with everybody else has gone back to school it all went very 
very well for a bit. And then what a surprise. Kids started getting coughs and colds. Uh, everyone started getting COVID tests uh, and uh, kids got started getting sent home. I mean, half my daughter's year is now uh, at home. Uh, the entire year below is now at home. And that's just, I think, quite average and quite normal, certainly for the uh, the people we know who've got kids at school. Um are we going to continue through this through the whole of winter? Uh, we're just effectively going to be sending hundreds and hundreds of children at each school home every few weeks because someone coughs. Well, this is why we need a proper testing regime. There are just 10 kits per school. Um, the testing needs to be much wider. It needs to be very quick. The, the uh, If there is a problem in a school, whether it's a pupil or a teacher, they should be able to get a test within 24 hours and a result uh, soon after that. And unfortunately, they've also had problems with the getting through to the local public health England advice. Now there's a special department for education helpline, which is improving things, but it all comes down to testing. The second thing is if kids are sent home, I don't want to see, to see a situation where we have millions of kids doing nothing uh, um, at home. What should be happening is that there is a plan B with proper guaranteed online learning with guidance from the department for education, uh, working with Ofsted who need to come out of hibernation and uh, actually uh, work with the schools to make sure that they're being taught if they're sent home. Yeah, I mean, again, we have to throughout the summer. It doesn't appear that the youngsters have been able to make up any of the time that they lost over the last six months. Um, do you think that in, in terms of where we are right now, that the government is providing a proportionate response to the threat of the virus in terms of uh, the rules that we are facing? We know that the prime minister is going to be making a statement in, in a press conference tonight. Chris Whitty and Valance next him. Last time he made a statement that the, the three of them, that are three big hitters, we ended up having that rule of six across uh, England. Of course, it's completely different in different parts, constituent parts of the UK. Um Lots of people are fearing we're going to get more developments or warnings of, of, of more developments. Do you think that the government's response right now, and bearing in mind we've got, was it, 18 million of the population living under stricter restrictions in the rule of six, is it proportionate to the actual threat of the virus at this current time? I hope so. I'm not a scientist or a medical officer. I don't see that we have much alternative than to listen to these people. I just hope to God that they are right and that they also balance the needs of the economy of schools. Well, hold on a minute. That's but that's not their job. It's not the job of Chris Whitty or Patrick Valance or anyone on stage to balance the needs of the economy or futurists. Their job is to sort of have minimised the number of people who die from COVID. But we know that the more people you try and stop from dying from COVID, you seem to have more people dying from cancer. We've got a million women who didn't get their breast cancer screening this year because uh, that we're not carrying out any of those sort of tests. We know people are dying of cancer, dying of heart disease, and the like. We know kids aren't getting their education. We know people are going to lose their jobs. They're going to be suicides. We know all of this um do you think that we should be making policy like this on the basis of hoping to god the scientists have got it right well i hope that the scientists and the politicians have got the balance right um i i believe that if that we have to follow the guidance they set out because i don't know what the alternative is i'm not qualified to know uh, what the alternative is and uh you have to where the politicians are walking a tightrope between the needs of the economy and the needs of keeping people healthy, in essence, avoiding destitution and avoiding death. And it's a very difficult tightrope to to walk. I mean, I think at the moment, of course, there are restrictions in certain areas, but I don't think it's such a terrible deal. Places closing at uh, at uh, 10 p.m. Unless, the you're, un unless you're the person who whose livelihood relies on the pub staying open or the restaurant having more than one sitting in an evening and your job's going to go, then it yeah, does matter. One in four hopefully. pubs, bars and restaurants in this country have closed down. 
but hope yes but we sadly we were having pubs closed down before the coronavirus every scale. week um hopefully um this will be for a short time if it does reduce the r rate of the coronavirus then we can go back to having well, but but hold on a minute. But this is this is the whole point. So okay, we we close down. We go back into some version of lockdown. We're limiting our lives, and then we reduce the R rate, and then we we come back out again, and then the R rate goes back up again, and then we close back down again. How many businesses do do we really think are going to survive that? You say you're not qualified to know what the alternatives are. You are. You're as qualified as me and everyone listening right now, because these aren't decisions about science so much as decisions about our balance of of, of beliefs and values and our belief in, in liberty, in in, in, uh, in 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 the right to have a good life and not just necessarily a longer life and, and, and our ability to make our own decisions about our own lives. We are all qualified to make that decision. We are, but I think it's a tightrope between, as I say, destitution of the economy and... Uh, trying to avoid deaths and ill health. And uh, I, I think, um, sadly, until we get a vaccine that works, we're going to have this kind of helter-skelter where there will be some lightening of restrictions and then there might be some restrictions imposed again. I can't see... The only other option is just a uh, a complete free-for-all, and that is a huge risk no, no, in itself. But that's the divisant. I mean, we can just continue with social distancing and uh, and, and uh, hand sanitising and, and the like. Those well, that still is, yes, okay, but that is still still potentially a free-for-all because uh, people will be, everywhere will be open, people will be mixing. The social distancing, we know that it's harder to maintain when everything is open i think the restrictions they have at the moment apart from the areas in lockdown which i appreciate is is very tough but i think the restrictions at the moment are sort of in a, a middle way and we just have to see whether they work or not across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker talk radio thanks for listening to the julia hartley brewer daily if you liked what you heard please subscribe and give me a good review and don't forget to catch me on the talk radio breakfast show every weekday from 6 30 until 10. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.